Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome again to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly, bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and enjoy more money. Today I want to talk about Jamie Oliver, who lost £25 trying to rescue his restaurant chain. But I want to talk about what he may have learned from this failure. Now, a lot of authors and motivational speakers focus only on successful people and like Richard Branson, Steve Jobs and Warren Buffett. You know, they talk about the success habits and copying the habits of successful people and learning just from successful people, which is all fine. But you can also learn from failures. You can learn from bad habits as well as good habits. And you can learn from other people's mistakes rather than making your own mistakes. A good example of this is the recent collapse of Jamie Oliver's restaurant empire. Uh, The business not only went under, but Jamie sunk 25 million of his own cash into the business trying to save it at the dying deaths so that you know had to put a few million in there and a few million there and suddenly it's mounted up to 25 million now one has to assume that he didn't have any personal liability for the business debts because otherwise you know they would have taken his house he's still got his house i think he was criticized for spending six hundred thousand on his house whilst the business was going down but that that's just haters really because his his personal house and his personal wealth has nothing to do with with the company as such and and indeed he he spent 25 million trying to save it Uh, but I assume therefore he had no personal liability so he could have just walked away he could have just said right um, closing the doors uh, and that's it instead of throwing what has turned out to be good money after bad I think we've all experienced this in business that when the business is in trouble you know you'll move heaven and earth you'll put all your money into it you'll remortgage your house and that sort of thing and this is where a lot of things can go disastrously wrong from just losing a business to then losing your house and your personal your personal wealth as well Um, but I'm not sure that he's learned from his mistakes fully and he doesn't seem to even accept that he's ever made any mistakes apart from saying that he was misled by management in a recent interview for the times the tv chef blames high rents or the landlords in fact uh, business rates and competition from services like, you know, from these delivery services like Uber Eats, Deliveroo and, and that sort of thing, Just Eats, for the downfall of his business, which, you know, it was quite tragic. It saw the closure of 20 few, 22 restaurants and the loss of a thousand jobs. Now, whilst the above list of, of factors, uh, you know, may feature in the story of the, of the decline of the business, they are just external factors. that They're not something internal, you know. He doesn't seem to accept that poor management and, and himself had a, had a hand in the mess, although he does admit that he was, you know, the wool was pulled, pulled over his eyes, as he said. The wool was pulled over my eyes and he had poor advice from his, his management team. I'm not sure if he means the wool was pulled over his eyes at the time he was pouring £25 million of his own cash into the business uh, to save this sink and ship, rather than the wool was pulled over his eyes for the general sort of mismanagement of, of the business now external factors getting back to that you know we we can't control external factors but we can control our, our, what we can do internally so you know the business went into admin, min, min, 
administration, which is, is due to mismanagement more than anything else, more than those external factors that he mentioned. And a good leader takes blame as well as credit, just like a good football manager will say, you know, I, I, I congratulate the team and, and that sort of thing. I'm not going to just take all the credit and then blame the team when it when it goes wrong. Either way, you know, he's blaming somebody else, isn't he? He's blaming effectively like the government for the for the for the taxes. He's probably blaming Brexit. He's probably blaming the landlords and, and the council and everybody, you know, but not not himself. So I think you've got to learn from that. You've got to learn from your own mistakes. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a hater here. I'm, I actually like Jamie, but um, let's let's look at that. You know, to be fair, he might not be able to literally bear his soul to the newspapers because you know, in, in general, we're not very forgiving towards business failure in this country. You know, in America, I think they're a little bit more forgiving. They can have Chapter 11. Donald Trump's been in Chapter 11. Many successful companies have been in and out of trouble. But, you know, people just move on from that. Now, privately, he might be saying, you know, to his friends and family, you know, sorry, I, I screwed up or words to that effect anyway. Um, so let, let's just let's just go back to that. Um, if he felt that rents were high for the prime spots that he had, why did they not, you know, why did they sign those leases in the first place? I mean, he had some of the best places in the country. So, you know, you can't sort of say, well, that the rents were too high. You, you chose to, to go for those sites. And when you sign a lease, you, you have to look at the clauses. You have to look at all of the uh, rent reviews when they're coming up. You know, is it three years, five years, whatever? And then you factor that into the, you know, the business plan. So I, I don't think you can really blame that. Um, maybe rents did jump up a lot, but I'm not sure you can blame that. When people say, oh, the landlords put the rents up by 50%, it's usually after like a five or 10 year period. It's not 50% every year. Now, landlords have businesses to run too. Now, you know, I understand that people might not have a, a lot of sympathy for, for la what they would call as greedy landlords. But it should be remembered that many of these prime city centre sites and shopping malls and, and big developments like that are owned by our pension, by your pension fund, possibly. You know, if they go down, so does your pension. If that, if that, 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 you know, all the landlords, uh, all that property and, and the return from that property goes down, that, that, that affects the return on your pension scheme if it's in a managed fund or even a property fund. Pension funds own a lot of the property and a lot of city sites in this country, and pension funds are there for the benefit of, of the members. Well, and, and, and the people who run them, I suppose, but mainly for the benefit of the members, or they're supposed to be. Now, if rents were too high, the buildings couldn't be let, right? So if, if he's saying the rents were too high, well, the, the rents, the, the, the places wouldn't have got let and they would have been empty and he could have negotiated a better rent. So they wouldn't have been able to find tenants if the rents were not really, that, you know, really so sky high. Now, having said that, I, I mean, there are, there is some evidence that we, we could be reaching saturation point in terms of um, you know retail rents etc you know there is there is an argument for that um, you know, even Primark now who are not going under they're asking for a thirty percent reduction because they feel that deals have been done with other companies where they've gone into administration and then renegotiated rent so they say well we want a piece of that you know so the thirty percent is a lot isn't it I know I've been there as a landlord and you know the Let's go back to when he started and, and trying to get spots on those sites or spots in the best shopping malls. There would have been a lot of competition for those spots. And I'm sure that landlords 
felt that Jamie Oliver and his company were almost not quite blue chip, but, you know, they were good for the rent. So they, they're feeling disappointed now. Landlords now or will have been sitting on empty premises, right? They're sitting on premises where there's long rent voids, perhaps not getting not getting paid for a month. And nobody ever mentions that landlords might also have mortgages to pay when these you know, high flying businesses suddenly crash to earth with a bang. You know, no one no one thinks about the landlord, but but I, I do because I was a commercial landlord once and I know what it's like when the tenant pulls the plug. Now as for business rates, let's examine that. They're a known fixed cost, right? And we know exactly what they're going to cost before you move in. And I don't think all councils have put their, their business rates up by a tremendous amount, you know, maybe a few percent here and there. But I, I can't see how you can blame business rates. They're, they're usually a, a, a minor cost in the overall scheme of things. But I think he might be jumping on this retailer bandwagon saying, you know, business rates and Amazon don't pay business rates and blah, blah, blah. So we want the government to do something because we're all suffering. And, and there is something there is an argument for that. But I don't think you can sort of blame it for the downfall of his business. The truth is the problem has less to do with increasing costs than it does with decreasing revenue. And that's that's the plain truth of it. If people are not coming in the door, then it, it, you can cut costs here and there, but it, it, your business won't make it. Most businesses, I think, fail through a lack of sales, not not through any other sort of external factors. And costs can also be controlled internally as well. You've got your internal and your external costs. Now, as I said, you can't control external factors like taxes, but you can control the internal factors. And, and that includes the way you run your business. Now, Jamie also cites uh, home delivery services for the reason for falling profits. Um, he doesn't say, though, why he didn't join this booming home delivery market by using companies like Uber Eats, Just Eat and Deliveroo to deliver food, his food to his customers. Why didn't he do that? You know, you know the old saying: if you can't beat them, join them. I, I, I don't know whether he did in the latter stages, but um, it's certainly not something I see on these leaflets that you get round. You know, it, it's usually other companies. I don't see much of, of Jamie's stuff there. And it's interesting to note that none of these companies, like Uber Eats, Just Eat, Deliveroo, uh, actually run a restaurant or a takeaway establishment. They don't. They're like Uber. They don't have cars. They're like. Uh, Airbnb, they don't own properties. They make their money as being in the middle, delivering the food, and they actually help restaurants, especially the smaller restaurants, gain a wider access to the online market in much the, the same way that Amazon does for small retailers because they've got a much bigger reach online. Whereas if you just start your own uh, website, uh, a little takeaway down the high street, he said, I'm going to have a website and get delivery uh, delivery customers from my website. He's not got enough hits on that website to, to, to give him that market. Whereas, you know, Just Eat comes in and says, right, we'll do it for you. Yeah, we'll take a chunk. We'll take a 20 or 30% commission, but it, it still keeps the business going. And, and a lot of businesses have signed up for this and, and are using that. Now, incidentally, um, Just Eat is now valued at over 100 million pounds after Takeaway.com increased its stake in the firm, which was founded in 2000, I believe, by Danish investors. The combined group will now be worth over eight billion. They've got they've got businesses in several different countries. Um, Uber, look at them. They they recently launched on the stock market and now valued at eighty two billion. Despite I think it's a wildly wildly overpriced valuation, but it's worth eighty two billion. Uber Eats is now in talks to buy Deliveroo, which raised four hundred million in venture capital when it launched in just two thousand and thirteen. It's now valued at 
one and a half billion. I, I don't believe one and a half billion. It's like it's a cardo. They, they go around in a few vans delivering food. They, they were worth billions. I, I don't get it. I, I'm in the wrong business here. Um, I think Amazon were trying to, to buy Deliveroo and that was uh, blocked by the Competition Commission. Now, look, as I said, I'm not a hater. I like Jamie Oliver. I admire the things he's done to help young people, even if some of the, the critics and haters say he only did it to, to publicise himself. Uh, but I, I'm not saying that. Um, and I also love his great food, his simple TV recipes. I'm actually able to follow them. They're the only ones I can remember. You know, I even have one of his books. So, Jamie, I do like you. And I certainly don't gloat over any business falling and failing. And I feel sorry for the people that lose their jobs. You know, a thousand people, it's a lot. So having said that, I think Jamie should admit some home and simple truths. Right. Firstly, he took his eye off the ball big time, right? Even if he was not running the business hands-on himself, he should have been there keeping an eye on the figures long before the business went into a sort of downward spiral, which sometimes it's too late to, to stop. Unprofitable branches should have been closed, uh, cost reduced and management shaken up. Secondly, the management could have adapted the business to a change in market, such as home delivery or lower spending following Brexit, for instance. You know, the sad fact is that restaurants, you know, his restaurants, I'm sorry, Jamie, but they were, they were not quite as good as all the hype. You know, unfortunately, the food was, I'd say, a little bit overpriced. And as a customer, I felt I was not really getting good value. Sure, the staff were nice and friendly and chirpy, but I, I felt, you know, everything was like extra for this. You want this, it's £4 for this and £4 extra for that. And you want vegetables, yes, it's extra, rather than just like a complete package and a meal. So there was that little feeling that, you know, you weren't quite getting good value. Um, so, you know, it, and that, that was on top of an already expensive main course, which is sometimes just a, a simple pasta, you know. So I don't mind paying for a really good meal and thinking like that's fantastic but this this is not obviously fine dining but if something's really fantastic and you really feel you know that you've had a good experience but I, I didn't feel that there I felt you know a lot of places were noisy and uh, anyway I'm not going to go into a load of complaints but obviously I'm not the only one who thought this now I tried several of his restaurants and um, I didn't see much change in the menu or, or special offers that would attract new customers. Furthermore, I was never asked to register for a mailing list or, or an app, you know, for special offers or discount vouchers. Now, other chains do this, Prezzo, Bella Pasta and, and stuff. I mean, even today, I've got, I've got my inbox, um, an email from Bella Pasta, £10 special, you know, blah, blah, blah. This this three courses and a drink for this price and half price for kids and all that. sort. Of, all these things to encourage you to come back through their doors because, you don't think about Bella Pastor or Jamie Oliver when you walk out, do you? You know, you need reminding. And this is what market is all about, to, to get your message out there. So sadly, in his case, there was nothing that made me want to rush back to any of his outlets, let alone a sort of a discount voucher or anything, which, which would have helped, to be fair. Now, thirdly, you have to question whether or not, you know, they expanded too quickly or opened too many branches you know, that the management was able to cope with. And, you know, the company must have taken on a fair amount of borrowing to open up so many restaurants in a short space of time. I'd imagine they'd pay premiums on some of the leases. This means that, you know, in addition to renting the property, they charge you a premium on the lease. So they might charge 50000 or £100,000 plus the rent. Uh, but, but even so, I, I don't think they would have got much change out of, what, half a million to a million pounds for the setup of, of some of the premises I saw, like, like this, these ones in Docklands. It was a huge place. Um, 
I don't think you get much change out of a million pounds for the whole, you know, the, the, the setup, the legal costs and all that per restaurant, you know. Um, so it, there was a lot of money involved. And at the end of the day, you've got to sell a lot of meals to pay back a million quid. Jamie, of course, was riding on the back of his celebrity name and fame. You know, he was everywhere, wasn't he? The public loved him. He could do no wrong. He was on TV talk shows and Jonathan Ross. And maybe he believed some of his own publicity too much and it all went to his head and he thought he could do no wrong. I don't know. I mean, I, I personally why wonder why he didn't go into maybe a smaller select few restaurants in in like Gordon Ramsay did in in some prime city center spots um and and you or indeed use his name to franchise out or or joint venture where he's not sort of risking all of his own money but you know all this is easy to to to, to say with hindsight and I do hope Jane Jamie learns from his mistakes and I'm sure he'll be back in some capacity. I mean, he's, he hasn't lost everything. He's still got his house. They, they say he's still worth over 100 million. So, And he's still got his places abroad, uh, his other restaurants. But, you know, I'm sure he'll learn from that. The main thing is that, look, when you make a mistake or when things go wrong in your business, you can't just blame external factors. That's childish, isn't it? It's her fault. It's mummy's fault. You know, you, you, you've got to ask yourself questions like, you know, what could I have done better? Where and why did it go wrong? Or how did I uh, mess up? Right? You know, there's an old acronym, um, you know, when you're talking about what, what things might occur, you know, you know the old acronym, uh, it's become a bit of a cliche, but it's often used in presentations and it's used for business plans, you know, basic business plans. You remember the, the old SWOT, S-W-O-T, you know what it stands for? Okay. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats so you look at the strengths in a business plan you look at the strengths of the business you look at the weaknesses the opportunities and the threats okay so threats can be anything but you know think about Jamie's and you fill in the blanks right now in summary failing can be a useful learning experience as well as a stepping stone towards success as in the classic you know Thomas Edison you know 10,000 attempts to invent the right light bulb he said, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just found 10,000 ways that it wouldn't work. The most successful business people have suffered major setbacks at some stage in their, in their business careers. Uh, Steve Jobs was fired from the company he founded, uh, but it was later brought back to rescue it and make Apple one of the most valuable companies on the planet. Businesses uh, have also had to adapt to changes and threats. Uh, think about the car industry think about in the 1970s the oil crisis when you know the arab nations put up the price of oil all of a sudden and it caused pet petrol prices to skyrocket at the time it plunged the, the world into a, a recession as well now the americans were making these huge gas guzzling guzzling cars weren't they they used to see on tv detective shows they had you know they're about 25 foot long and they they did about 10 miles to the gallon you know and they were initially caught out they were caught short weren't they by the, the the european and japanese car makers who made smaller and more fuel efficient cars but no one bothered to them about them until you know the, the price of gas went up you know and then they were suddenly caught short but what did they do did they give up no they regrouped adapted and come out with their own fuel efficient cars it, it changed everything for them now they face a new external threat or threats from regulators right and electric car makers like Elon Musk's Tesla, whose firm actually was once valued on the stock market at more than, uh, you know, the hundred year olds Fords and 
General Motors. You know, Henry Ford was instrumental in um, you know getting the car industry moving with his techniques of mass production and the Model T Ford and all that sort of stuff. Now this new upstart on you know, new kid on the block has is worth more than Ford's. It's it's just ridiculous in my opinion. You know, but do you think they're going to sit back now and let Tesla steal their market? Well, of course they're not. You know, they're already developing their own electric vehicles, and, and, and which will no doubt be cheaper and more accessible than the luxury, you know, 80 grand Teslas. You know, they may even buy out companies like Tesla that, that threaten to you know, take too many bites out of their lunch, as it were. Now, do you think these companies are going to say, oh, well, you know, the regulators have brought in these new emissions laws and taxes and oh, there's not much more we can do about it? course they're not you know they're, they're going to get on with it and do something and they're going to adapt it's not the strongest that survived it's the more adaptable so look you can learn from both your past successes and failures by analyzing what went wrong and what went right you know i was listening to a, a book by david goggins the author and speaker you know this um this ex-military seal who's now got millions of followers and uh, blah 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 it's, it's worth looking at he's a very interesting guy now he Whenever he does something, he look, he goes back to a military format that he that he learned from the Navy SEALs to where they debrief and analyze every single operation. And you know, if he if he's failed at something or succeeded, he, he always goes back and, and has this special format to 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 analyze you know what, what has gone wrong and, and what he could have done better, blah blah blah. Now he looks at everything from the preparation and training to anticipating any possible threats, obstacles or weaknesses in his plan. He, he says things like, well, I was on this run. I didn't um, factor in the fact that um, the heat was going to kill me and, or the, you know, the, that I didn't have the right footwear and all, all these things. That he, and then he, he analyzes it and then he goes back and tries again without making the same mistakes again. That took David two or three attempts before succeeding at many of the his most uh, successful things like becoming a Navy SEAL or or breaking the 24-hour pull-up record or, or going into 100-mile races, you know. Um, and, and he talks about this moment of pushing past that that pain barrier that and, and just pushing past it and finding success at the just at the other side of failure or just one step beyond his biggest failures. So learn from your mistakes, learn from your failures, and sometimes you can come out stronger and better because of them. Thanks for listening. This has been Charles Kelly. Bring your money tips to help you save, earn, invest and accumulate more money. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 